Isaiah chapter 60 verse 18 this morning. Isaiah 60 verse 18. This will be part 3 or 4, whichever one it is. 3, isn't it? Did I mess that up this morning, Greg? Is that why you sent me that question, Mark? Thank you, brother. Part three this morning of a message titled Builders of the Walls, a, a story in Nehemiah that we'll get to here in a minute that's so relevant for us today. No, we're not building physical brick walls around cities. We're, we're not doing that because it's not about a geographical area for the church today. It's about what surrounds our hearts and fills our hearts today. So let's read this springboard scripture, if you will, this morning, Isaiah 60 and verse 18. (coughs) Violence shall no more be heard in your land, wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. This is a promise from God through the prophet Isaiah concerning what will surely be in the days ahead in the land of Israel. Where the walls will be called salvation and the gates will be called praise. Although it's not about a geographical location for us as the church, it will once again be about a geographical location for the nation of Israel. Your Jesus, my Jesus the creator of all the world, the one who holds all things by the word of his power this morning and at all times. He will come and reign on a throne in Jerusalem, the city of peace, the city of God. He will reign from there as a man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He won't be voted in. He won't be voted out. I was telling Robin yesterday, there will never be a need to take a suggestion to Jesus. They won't be accepted. How could we suggest anything to someone who knows everything? He won't need a Congress. He won't need a Senate. He won't need lawyers. He won't need doctors. He's all of that in one man. He will rule the entire earth. He will rule it with a rod of what? Righteousness. He will reign in righteousness through his words that are all in righteousness. Amen. I'm telling you, he's coming soon. There will be walls around his city. There will be gates in and out of his city. Amen. Jerusalem, the city of peace. He's the king of peace. Amen. Aren't you looking forward for that day? Because you'll be with him that day, reigning with him. Reigning with him. As kings and priests, I'm excited about that. But I use this scripture because of a great promise. To some degree, this scripture has already been fulfilled in our hearts. He's given us already a new heart and a new spirit. That's new covenant promise. A new heart and a new spirit. That's new covenant promise found in the blood of Jesus that you and I have been saved by that new covenant blood. So we are called not to go and guard some walls and literal physical walls. We're called to guard our hearts. To let what surrounds our heart be salvation. I believe, I'm not going to, but I believe that we could tie in Ephesians 6 in the whole armor of God to that which deals with salvation, the redemption of God, the helmet of salvation, the the breastplate of righteousness, the, the gospel shoes of peace, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the loin belt of truth. All those items point to what Jesus did at Calvary, our immersion into him, baptized into his death, they're becoming fully armed with the whole armor of God, given a new heart and a new spirit. 
And you and I are called to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of our lives. So we're to keep our hearts surrounded with the truths that saved us. We're to keep our hearts surrounded with the, or, or filled rather with the praise that God gave us when he saved us. We, we didn't listen. We didn't come up with praise. If I'm praising God, it's because he gave me that praise. I can't offer to God anything he hadn't given me first. I have nothing he hasn't given me. So the walls we're building and the gates that we have are not physical, literal walls around some city that we're building that have been torn down, but we are co-laborers with the Lord in the building process in this church age of that which he builds. What's he building? The Lord says he's building his church. And where he's building his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against that. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the building of the church. And if we're involved in that, then the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And the reality has come to my mind, and I believe we can bear it out in Scripture, that we're either a part of the building process, co-laborers, or we're a part of what's hindering the building process. And I am not a bearer of bad news, but a lot of what's gone on in the church in the last 50 years has been for the most part tearing down and distracting from what God is building and how God is building. Amen. And who the builders really are. Amen. You know it's true. We have a church here in Queen City because the gospel is not the focus of the church. We began this work. It was because the Lord told me to start a work, and I kept telling him there's 500 churches in our area. And there is. I promise you, if you took the time to do it from right here in a 30-mile direction, from right here in every direction, you'll find 500 or more churches. And I told the Lord that, and he spoke to my heart and said, they're not preaching my gospel. And what he meant by that is they're not focused on my gospel. They're not preaching my gospel. And we've learned even more so through the years what he meant by that is they're not determined to know nothing but my gospel. And so we stand here, we sit here this morning in this gathering together and I hope you would be encouraged to know that you're a part of a building process now. Not because you're here, but because where the Lord brought you to in the faith, back to Calvary. Because there is no building taking place of the Lord that is not involving Christ and Him crucified. Not just because of it. It must be included. And He's told us through the years that I've not given you this ministry because of the cross only, but because of the cross to be about the cross. Many won't accept that because they're not in the building process. A co-laborer must be laboring in what the Lord is laboring. He's building his church. He said he'd build his church on the revelation of who he is. The scriptures teach us that we need to be learning Christ. At the end of the day, what have you learned concerning Christ? At the end of the day, what have you learned concerning Christ? Amen. That's who we're learning. That's what we're learning, and that's how we're learning. Amen. What is Christ building? He's building his church. Let me read Matthew 16 and 18 where Jesus tells Peter 
upon Peter receiving the revelation of who Jesus was because he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And now they went to throwing out names. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're this guy. And Jesus said, okay, who do you say that I am? Because here's the reality of Christianity. It don't matter what everybody else says. At the judgment, it won't be you and him and them. It'll be you and him at the judgment. And we will receive at the judgment for the good and the bad that we've done in the body. Amen. We won't be condemned, but we'll receive for the good and the bad that we've done in the body. I mean, don't let people tell you the judgment seat of Christ is not about some sin. It's not, it's not about being condemned for sin because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But anything bad is sinful. Amen, Brother Kurt. See, all our lives you hear one thing, you've got to know what the Bible says. Amen. And some people are not willing to change even when scriptures reveal to them what needs to change. So they can't build like they could be building. Well, I'd rather just keep trying to hammer this nail in with a piece of bamboo. No, brother, use this metal hammer. That's what the message of the cross has done for those who've accepted its revelation and God's predetermination to know nothing else, to speak through nothing else, to work through nothing else. They've given up on all the dead works that were not accomplishing anything and they put their faith back in the only work that has ever accomplished anything of the Lord, being Christ and his sacrifice. And I say also unto you that you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church that the Lord is able to build. But all the church is not being built by the Lord. It takes grace. God's grace is the building agent. And if there are church in Galatians who fall from grace, that means they've fallen from a place where God can build. If the church of Sardis is told they have a name, wow, that you're alive, but you're dead, that means they're not being built. A few verses down in that third chapter of Revelation, there's another church, Laodicea. If Jesus is on the outside of that fellowship trying to get back in, if he's not in fellowship with them, means he's not building them. To be being built by Christ you have to be in the building process. To be a part of the building process, a channel, an instrument in God's hands for him to build through you, he must be building you. Amen. And he builds his church based on the revelation of who he is which is all based on the revelation of why he came, which is to die for the world and its sin. Amen? So as go ahead and turn to Nehemiah this morning. Nehemiah chapter 1, and we'll hit a verse or two here, and I want to get over a little bit further today. This is a great a prophet to read behind. Because this story is in a time where Israel had been carried captive for 70 years into Babylon because of their sin against God. You see, sin moves God just as well as obedience. Sin moves God just as well as obedience. Sin moves God's resistance against whatever sin is. Obedience moves God in your heart to guide you on into his will. 
and allows him to build you as the church that you are and make you a part of the building process. You are a part of the building process. You're co-laborers with the Lord. Co-laborers. And please don't look back at your past life at how much you've wasted, how many years you've thrown away. Forget it. It's about now. Today is the day of, of salvation. Now faith is. So many Christians look back and because they see a wasteland behind them, it, that keeps them from looking forward into the things that God wants to do now. God's not looking back except to what his son did at Calvary. Amen. So don't look back at all the years you've thrown away, all the time that's been wasted and all the times you could have but you didn't and you, you did but you shouldn't have and all the, the things that are just a burn-up wasteland. Move forward today. Make a conscious decision. I'm going to behold the lamb today. I'm going to learn about Jesus and what he did at Calvary for me from now on because that's where the foundation of the cornerstone was planted on a hill called Calvary. Before the foundation of the world, there's only a few things the Bible mentions as God having done before the foundation of the world. One of them is the lamb was slain. The, uh, one of the others is that God chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Another one is Jesus praying in John 17 says, uh, uh, Father, I want to return to that glory I had with you before the world was. So everything in God's eyes is already finished. You and I need to learn to live in the way that God sees it, already finished. The work he's working in you is death, the death of Jesus. So that the work he's working in you can be expressing the one who did the work. See, if the builder is not being expressed, then I'm working after the flesh and I'm expressing myself as the builder. Mm. If the builder is not being expressed, then I'm the only one building. And if the Lord doesn't build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And there's much vain work, much vain labor. The expression of the labor must be the one who's doing the labor. And that's Jesus. It's the finished work, perfect work, that the world needs to see. Not another building, uh, not another cathedral with stained glass windows. What the world needs to see is the one who did the perfect and complete work at Calvary. That's all God's offering. That's where we entered in to the building process. That's the ground on which we stand. Everything God is doing flows out of that because of that and will reflect that and express that or it is just us laboring after the flesh. The builder must be expressed. Amen. God established, put his stamp on, his glory on Jesus, who is the brightness of God's glory through what he did at Calvary. We've got a sign out by the road. Tells what we're doing in here. Crossway Church. The way of the cross. Restaurants established since. Man, our establishment is before the foundation of the world. We were established before the foundation of the world and that establishment before the foundation of the world, the Lamb slain, was manifest on Calvary's hill. So just as God showed up in the Garden of Eden to deliver the message of restoration of fellowship with Him that could only come through the promise of a Redeemer and then showing them the sacrificial system that it would come through, that's all God speaks through. That's all he builds through. He's not, listen, if it's not about the lamb, God ain't building it. 
God's trying to wake his church up in these last days. I can't help it, the cathedrals who are filled with thousands this morning. If it's not about the Lamb and the salvation that the Lamb provides, if it's not about you being saved and becoming a part of the work that the Holy Spirit is involved in to save more and to build those who are saved, then it's just us. And you'll find, you'll find, we found, that where the real building process is taking place, there's much hindrance, not only without, but also within. And we'll see some of that this morning. So in here in Nehemiah chapter 1, I want to read the last verse. I'm not going to read this whole chapter. If you've missed the first two sessions, please go and listen to them, and you will be encouraged. And, and you know, you never know when the Lord's going to do something in your heart that's going to change you forever. It's going to change you forever. He's going to show you something that's going to change your mind about Him forever. I want some more of that. He got my attention years ago. I I want him to get my attention now more than ever. So go and listen to these messages. They are for such a time as this. Verse 11, Nehemiah 1, O Lord, I beseech thee, now let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Did you see that? Do you desire to fear his name? Do you desire to fear the name of the Lord? Hmm. And prosper, I pray you, your servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So the first thing I want to say this morning, those who are a part of the building process are a people of prayer. They're a people of prayer. The message of the cross does not move prayer out of the way. It intensifies communion. The message of the cross has not come back to the church and awakened us so that we can sit on the couch and say the word cross and think that's working because it's not. The truth of Calvary draws us into the place of being more like Jesus and he prayed all the time. Even our Jesus had to be dependent upon the one who sent him. And you and I are called to prayer. Prayer is something the flesh doesn't like. You want to lose the attention of the people of God? Talk about giving and talk about prayer. You'll be left with only a very, very few. But the builders will be a prayerful people because they're desperate to see God building. People who aren't desperate, people who don't see the church just crumbled all around us, the church who who doesn't see the church in a bigger mess today than it's ever been in. And and there's a lot of preachers that think the church is better off now than it's ever been. They're blind. They don't know the word and they don't know the reality. If they were looking through Calvary, they'd see it. Builders are praying because they know it's more than them. It's more than them. It's more than going to a file cabinet and pulling a message out from last year about this time and just preaching it again. It's more about some habitual. It's about praying and believing God is going to do what gets done. But he's going to use us. You've got to accept that too. It takes a while to accept that. We'll accept the first part easier than we'll accept the second part. You got to accept that God's called you for such a time as this. He's put you here on this earth right now for the purpose of Him building through you His church. You have to accept that. That's hard to accept. It took a while for me to get used to people calling me Pastor Curtis. 
It took a while for me to get used to me pastoring the church because I'm not looking for attention. But you have, to, you have to accept God's call on your life and you have to begin to walk in that. And that's hard to, to receive. Now, those who want to be seen and in the limelight, they're not going to last very long anyway because more likely they're not called in the way they think they are and want to be anyway. The ones God's call really don't want their to be called in the way he's calling them. You look at the ones in the Bible, they always tried to talk God out of it. Those out there just bucking to get on top and be heard, <laughs> they probably not even called to what they think they called to. Amen, Brother Curtis, the preacher's wife said. Chapter 2 now in Nehemiah. Let's go through here and read a few. Let's start down verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10. <clears throat> Lord going to show you something today. Going to help you. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Man, God's raising up men, women, boys, and girls right now who care what's going on with the church. They care enough to have something to say. They care enough to when they're lamb blasted for stepping out and preaching this message, the only message through which God builds, they just keep building. They just keep praying. And I want to point out something the Lord showed me just a handful of days ago about this man Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant who is an Ammonite. You know where these men came from? These, these men came out of Moab. These, these Horonites and this Ammonite, they're of Moab. Everybody knows where Moab comes from. Moab... The whole nation of Moab comes from when God delivered Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife looked back. God turned her into a pillar of salt because he told her not to look back. But she hated leaving, so she turned into what God turned them all into. And then Lot escaped to the mountains with his two daughters, and they got him drunk and slept with him and conceived. That's where the whole nation of Moab came into being. My point in telling that is this. These enemies were because somebody who was righteous did the wrong thing. The Bible, does the Bible not say Lot was righteous? But Lot made a mistake. Did, did Lot make a mistake? Did a whole nation of enemies of God get birth because of Lot's mistake? Did a whole world of God-haters get birth because Abraham got in the flesh? My point, the enemies that are the greatest enemies are the, are the making from our own flesh. It's not other people. There's always going to be other people mouthing, but they can't stop the work of God. But that enemy that de it's derived from our own flesh, your biggest enemy is not the devil. It's your flesh. That's right, Brother Dale. It's me. I am my biggest problem. The devil, no people, all the people together and the devil can't stop the will of God for my life. Have you ever heard a Christian saying, they just won't, they won't, you know, they're blocking me from the will of God. Can't nobody stop the will of God in your life but you. So this Sanballat and this Tobiah, the ones who are now mocking 
Nehemiah and those who were with him to rebuild the walls of God's city, they're mocking. But where they came from was the, the flesh of Israel, the flesh of God's people. How many times do we see that in the Old Testament where God said, I want you to go in there and I want you to get rid of everything. And what did Saul do? He said, well, I got rid of everything. God said, no, you didn't. Why do I hear those cows, uh, or they call it bellowing back there? Why are those cows mooing back there? When cows are making that noise back there, Saul, because you didn't obey me. And what's left when God tells you to do something, if you don't do it, the result of that is going against you. You. And not only that, if God's called me to do something and I don't do it, if I don't walk in it, then I'm not only hurting myself, I'm hurting the body of Christ. Amen. So, Let's read this again, verse 10, Nehemiah 2. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of Sanballat, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. God raised us up to preach and focus on and declare the message of the cross. And God's not raised up another church to, not, to do something different than that either. But when we say things like that, we're mocked and laughed at and ridiculed because we believe the message of the cross is the message that saves, heals, delivers, feels. It's the wisdom and the power of God because we're Bible believers and God doesn't build outside the perimeters of His Word. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he's the one that's going to perform his word. Amen. So let's move on down because these folks don't like it. In verse 17, Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies wasted, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. Can I tell you this morning, Crossway Church, the hand of your God is good upon you. The hand of your God is good upon you. You're not better than the rest of the church, but you're being equipped as builders so that he can build the church through you. There's a lot of wasted time going on in the church. But he is faithful to build his church. Look now, verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. That's what this message of the cross has done for those who are hearing it right. You can hear it in a way that makes you start uh, belittling everybody. You can hear it in a way that makes you think you're better than everybody. Or you can hear it in a way that allows the building process, number one, to begin in you and then through you. Not without first in you. That's why a lot opt out. They just went straight into the trying to go around and and correct everybody, and then they realized, I'm trying to correct this and correct that, and I got my own issue. So we see that what we're preaching is not working on us, so we begin to back away from it. I need to settle down before somebody sees it. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of Sanballat the Ammonite and Gosham the the Arabian, they're, they're gathering numbers too. 
heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. Do you know how many people this morning are laughing at you because you're focused on Calvary's cross? Do you know how many people are out there belittling you because you, y- y'all are just trying to make everything about the cross? Bless their hearts. They just don't know anything about the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Bless their hearts. They don't know anything about the gift. Bless their hearts. They don't know. Laughing you to scorn, making fun of you. Listen, how long have we been having meetings once a year? Determined camp meeting. Determined not to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Some of the people who taught us this message, message had not only ever come, they are against all of that, but they still running down the road to all this other stuff. Hmm. Look at verse 20. Then answered I them. No, 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 wait a minute. I didn't finish verse 19. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? In other words, are you going to build this wall in the name of your God? If you do, you're rebelling against the king. Like some king's in charge. It's God in charge. Then I answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven will prosper us. In other words, not the king. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Everybody who's against the focus of Calvary is a hindrance to the building process of the Lord. Every person on the planet who's not a part of the building process is a hindrance to it. Talking about Christians. Amen. And last week at the very end of the the message, my Lord, is it 15 or 12 already? No, we're not looking at that today. Call me Wayne Voss for today, all right? (laughs) Nehemiah chapter 3 is just one verse after another. I don't have time to go through this today, but of this man and his family here on the wall, then this man and his family here on the wall, then that man on the wall and that woman on the wall, that man on the wall, building, restoring that which has been torn down. This church you're sitting in this morning is a part of the building process of God. I'm not talking about we're perfect. I'm not talking about we're sinless. But I am talking about we are where God brought us back to. We are beholding what we have to behold to be able to go from glory to glory and be changed and be being changed into that image. We are learning that our Lord only delivers us always to the death of His Son because there's where we behold the face of God that He said you can't see my face and live so we beheld his face and we died with his son and were raised to life with his son on the third day because you can't see his face and live that's why he delivers us to death always because it's a reminder of where we saw his face died with his son and were raised to newness of life to be a part of the building process you saw the face of God when you accepted Christ and you died with him. And now you're a part of the building process. So read that on your own time, Nehemiah 4. I'm sorry, Nehemiah 3. So let's turn to Nehemiah 4 now. See how much of this we can get in. Starting in verse 6. So we built the wall, Nehemiah 4 and 6, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. You see that in your Bible? The people had a mind 
to work. If you got the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is a mind to work. Well, it ain't about works, preacher. No, it wasn't about works to save you, but it's about works for you now because the Lord's coming, the Bible says, and he's going to reward every man according to his work. It's about works for you now. You're not saved by works, but you are God's workmanship ordained to walk in good works in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 and 10. You're called to good works in him. You're ordained to walk in that good work in him. And he's building you. And you're not going to like it sometimes. But don't leave the church and be mad at the preacher when it's really you being mad at the builder. I can't change you. I can't build you, but I can be a part of the process along with the one who can build you. Mm. Verse 7, but it came to pass. Now, now i got to read that verse 6 again. I think we could have just taught and preached that message, that verse all by itself today. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Do you see? Until you get a mind to work, you're not going to come together where the work's being done. Until you get a mind to work... A mind to, uh, to, to ask God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to restore that which has been under attack. Help us to restore the, the truth of Calvary. Hmm. Verse 7, but it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians, boy, their group's growing, and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, my goodness, they from northeast Texas, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. I say to you, my friends, this morning, the family of God that God has joined together here and those of you who are with us online, the days ahead are going to be very tough. You're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted to, to go somewhere else where somebody else is called in the building process something altogether different. I know what I'm talking about. I read Old Testament stories and God tells me every time I do, that's about you right now. That's about, that's about my people right now. I've told you to go back and read the old for your admonition, for your encouragement, for your comfort that you'll get from the Scripture. That's all a type and a shadow of who I am, says the Lord, but who my, what my people are going to face in the new. They were very wroth. Notice the company of them is growing. They're very wroth. What does that word mean? Angry. <laughs> and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our what? Our prayer unto God. Here we are, back to prayer. Back to, Lord, we need your help. We could build the wall, Lord. We could build the wall, not without your help. And what is it that forced them into prayer? People coming to attack what they believe should be being done. People coming to laugh, to scorn, to be angry about. And you see, and that's the way there's a lot of people that see a lot of stuff we put on social media. <clears throat> they don't ever rebuke with some scriptures telling where we're wrong. They just start bad mouthing other things because they don't have anything in the Bible that can stand against the focus of Calvary that is our focus that's God's focus and if there's any building being done it's the focus of those people and they're praying people nevertheless we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them you don't think that happens in the New Testament the Apostle Paul wrote about those that came in to spy out our liberty. Well, you shouldn't do that, Paul. You're just being a little too critical. How do you know they were spying out your, your liberty? 
You know, people didn't like Paul. People did not like Paul. Very few people followed Paul. That's why he always had to remind them when he's writing to them, I am an apostle called of God, apostle of Jesus Christ called of God because people everywhere in that day was telling everybody he is not called of God. He is not an apostle of Christ. He, he, didn't, he wasn't even one of the 12. He killed Christians. He's not of God. But he was preaching the message God gave him. Verse 8, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God, set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bears of burdens is decayed and there's much rubbish so that we're not able to build the wall. Always somebody going to be coming up and saying, we can't keep going like this now. We can't, we can't stay right here, you know. You, you, man, you won't know how many times through the last 18 plus years people have tried to say things in roundabout ways to get me to move away from the focus of Calvary. And all I'm going to say is right now, thank God for grace. Thank God for His grace to be still. Man, this past year has been an attempt to thwart our stance where we are. This last year, God has, God has allowed us by His grace to, to be still and stay here and not be moved from what we believe, no matter who else is doing what else and who else is saying what else. He said, you preach my gospel. And he ain't called me to do the he, something he ain't called every one of those he's raised up to preach to do. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Verse 11, And our adversaries said, They shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. There's all kind of things people will do to try to get the work, this message, to stop. All throughout, listen to me this morning, all throughout the, the, this church age, from the time the church was birthed till this very day, there, God has done one thing. He's tried to flood the church with the, with the remembrance and reminder of His Son and what He did at Calvary. And every once in a while, there will be a man here and a man there. Then it will be another hundred years. And then there will be a, a, another man here. Then another man there. And then there's a long period of time. And then there will be another man like, like Martin Luther or like this man or that man or like Brother Swaggart who found himself in a predicament who needed God to do something and show him something. And he was desperate. And God showed him the truth of Calvary. Also, but just like all the other times throughout history, when this message is brought to a place where people begin to hear it, many come with water buckets trying to put it out. As long as I'm breathing on this planet, as long as I can get up and talk, I'm going to be talking about the lamb slain. I'm going to be talking about Jesus and what he did at Calvary. But you need to teach us all these other things. The Holy Spirit can teach you everything. But it must come through Calvary. Verse 15, and it came to pass. No, wait a minute. Verse 14. Wait a minute. Where are we at here? 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places, when you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Listen, when people th start threatening about y'all need to quit all that, and they don't come up and say it in those words, they say it in a thousand other words. But they're subtle and they're deceptive and they're deceitful words that are attempting to pull you away from the focus of Calvary. Men today are either pointing to other men or they're pointing to the Lamb.
you need to remember that. Men are either pointing you to other men or they're pointing you to the lamb. For it came to pass, let me read that again, it's very important. It came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times. That means they're being bombarded with these words now. From all places, when shall you return unto us? They will be upon you. What they're telling us here, this ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. I'm telling you, the message of the cross works all the time. It never doesn't work. When it looks like it's not working, it's probably working in its greatest power. Because Jesus dying on that old tree looked like, well, whatever it was, it is no more. He's, a, he's stricken of God. But that wasn't the case at all. The greatest power ever seen, if you can see it. Verse 13, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be ye not afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of the voices that speak and whisper into your ear. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible, meaning awesome, and fight for your brothers. Fight for the church. Fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. How do I do that? How do I fight for the family of God? By fighting the good fight of faith meaning keeping my faith anchored in the cross, my focus, the sacrifice of Christ at all times because God's not delivering me to anything else but to the death of Jesus. That's powerful. And it came to pass in verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to nothing, which is what the message of the cross does. It just whacks away at the lies of the devil and our own flesh. God had brought their counsel to nothing that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. You know, you know how every once in a while the work in you pauses? Because there's some doubt and there's some unbelief and that only happens because we're listening. to The work gets paused. I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm speaking from experience. The work will get paused because I'm listening to somebody. You know how many people have been talked out of being planted in a local church that's preaching the message of the cross focused on nothing but the lamb? Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, over the last 25, 30 years. Verse 16, it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears, the shield, and the bows and the har whatever that word is, habergins. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. Look at verse 19. And I said unto the nobles, wait a minute, no, we can't skip all that. Verse 17, they which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Think about how that had to look. They're on the wall, and they're building with one hand, and they got a weapon in the other. The weapon in your hand is that two-edged sword, that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that you have learned all of God's words are in righteousness because it's the only place you can behold His face. And it's only in His righteousness that everything to you will be revealed. They're working. They're building the wall. They're busy about what God is doing, but they're also with a weapon in their hand guarding against what the enemy might say, what the enemy might come to, to try to tear the wall down. Now, we're not going to buy a gun and a knife and stab somebody or shoot somebody when they talk negative about this great truth of the gospel, but we are going to use the Word of God in its righteous context as our defense. Our one defense is righteousness. Mm. 
Verse 18, let's read it again. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'd want the trumpet blower too, right by me. You stay here, I'll let you know. If I elbow you, you blow that thing, son. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. Who's doing the fighting? Who's doing the fighting? The message of the cross, your heart yielded to that, allows God to fight. Exodus 15.3 says our Lord is the man of war. Our Lord is the man of war. Our Lord has fought and won the fight. Amen. So verse 21. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, I said unto the people, Let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes except that everyone put them off to be washed. They wore the same clothes. This is symbolic of God dressing you in the whole armor of God when he saved you, you ain't got no need to change spiritual clothes. You ain't got no need. Except for us, it's even better because our spiritual clothes don't even need to be washed. Except in the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. You're a part of God's building process. Accept that. Accept it. It's hard for some people to accept it. That's why I'm not ashamed to post on social media just practically every day. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know what Paul meant when he said that? He didn't mean I ain't ashamed to tell you. If you push me up against the wall, I will tell you. He said I ain't ashamed to talk about it all the time. That's what we're going to talk about because that's what our lives are supposed to be becoming, the gospel. We're not being more like Christ if our lives aren't becoming the gospel. Philippians 1 tells us that, that our lives should be becoming the gospel. And they can if we strive together for the faith of the gospel, which is the same as the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us, which is the good news, which is the gospel. What we got here this morning is builders on the wall. We got builders, builders. Amen. And we're not going to condemn anybody for not building with us. Or some may be building over there. Some may be building over there. Praise God, we need as many builders as we can get. But they're not building if they're not building with the message of Calvary. Because Calvary is the revelation, the only avenue through which the revelation of Jesus comes. That's why he delivers us unto death always. I'm quoting to you 2 Corinthians 4.11, by the way, if you don't know, you need to get the brightest highlighter you can and highlight that in your Bible and ask God to show you that. He always delivers you unto death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus can be expressed in and through these mortal bodies. That is the building process. That is the expression of those who are being built, the expression of the builder. Amen. The builder and maker of our walls and our gates is the Lord himself. Amen. Don't take it lightly. You're called to this. You're called to this place of building. Being built and building. And just because you got some things that need fixing, that needs Shaping up, conforming a little bit more to his image, don't let that stop you. Amen. We're not going to be perfect till we see Jesus. You're a part of the building process, and I'm telling you, don't take it for granted where you are right now in your walk with Christ, the place he brought you to, back to the cross. Don't take that for granted. Don't listen, don't these people that say they don't need to preach the cross all the time, that means they don't need to build all the time. I've heard, pre I've heard preachers say, I don't have time to preach the cross all the time. Like time is, you know something about time? 
We waste it like there's going to be more made up for us. Ain't no time being made. What you have is what you have. The time you've been allotted, please, don't waste it. Press in to Christ. How many of you think you could press in closer to Christ? How many of you think you could allow him to do more than what you've allowed him to do in the past? That's all of us. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?